Well, I thought it would be good to just um, get to know Nathan a little bit more um, before he later comes up to preach. So Nathan, do you want to come and join me up here? And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. There you go, open question. Yeah, well, uh, you hi, go hi, where you want with that. Um, thanks for having me this evening. It's, uh, it's good to venture north of London. That's uh, an exciting thing. So I'm Nathan. Um, I'm married to Emma. And we have six children uh, ranging from 19 down to nine years old. And you are a pastor of... Um, Enfield Town Community How long have you been there, how long have you been um, there for? How so 18 years, wow. um, 15 years on staff, and for three and a half years of those, I was leading a team to plant a new church uh, in a local area of London. So. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, tell us, Sam, um, looking back over the last years, what have been some of the challenges and the encouragements that you faced as a church over this, over this time? Um, yeah, I mean, there's loads of things to encourage. Uh, it's just wonderful seeing God's body or the body of Christ working together, isn't it? In, in lots of ways to serve together, uh, to reach out to the community with Christ. And, uh, and we've just seen some wonderful stories of, of people coming to know the Lord Jesus, um, God at work. You know, for all our efforts, sometimes people just wander in. So we, we had the encouragement the other week of a, a young guy called Jack, um, came into church at, off the back of the Queen's funeral. So that was an amazing thing where he just rocked up to church on a Sunday morning and said, I need to know more about the, the Queen's faith. And ever since then, he's been coming to church on a Sunday morning. And so that's a, an amazing thing. And then a, a Turkish lady called Fat, Fatima, uh, she came to church um, and just said, could you tell me about Jesus? I've, I've always wanted to know about him and no one's ever told me. And so there's these wonderful things for all our efforts that the Lord is at work in people's hearts and just brings them into church and we get to, to share the good news with them. So there's loads of encouragements like that. Um, challenges, I guess, like many of us, COVID was a, a hard season um, and we've really kind of, we've picked up in numbers, but perhaps that commitment, it seems to be dwindling a bit. Um, and, and it's hard to be patient sometimes, isn't it? It's patient in the Lord's work and uh, one of the challenges for me is just um, gospel work is slow work. Uh, that's why Jesus likens it to farming work, because it takes time to grow things, doesn't it? And, uh, and yet you want it quicker. Uh, but people like Jack who come through the doors, you know, they've got, they're a long way back, and they need a lot of time to, to hear the gospel and take it in. And, mm. um, and so challenges of patience, but that's probably more a challenge in me than in, in others. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's great tonight having so many people here from different churches, yep. um, partnership in the gospel. What does partnership in the gospel look like for you in your area of London? Yeah, I mean, you could think of a, a bit partnership for us a bit like a pyramid. So at the very top of the pyramid, we, we've planted um, four churches over the last 15 years um, from Enfield. And so we have a very close partnership with that, that top tier of people where we do this um, quite a lot. So yesterday we had a day together, all five churches met together and we, um, we heard God's word together, we sang together, we, we ate together, we played football together, that kind of afternoon. It was a great day. So that's kind of our closest tier of partnership. And with that partnership, we, we do a lot of stuff together. So we do lots of training together. Um, and wonderfully, together we're about to plant a church. Um, so lots of the church plants have been done from Enfield Town. Um, but the next church plant is a collaborative. We're doing it as five churches. Um, and so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, you can ask me in a couple of years' time. But we've got a church plant to lined up. There's an area that's ripe for a church plant. Um, and so we're going to be doing that together. Uh, and then I guess the pyramid broadens out a little bit. So a bit like you guys would have, we, we have other evangelical churches around us of, of different denominations, um, Anglicans and Baptists at churches. And, and so we meet together and we pray together and we support one another. Uh, and then there's a much broader kind of 
fellowship, as it were, with other Christians in our town um, that perhaps we don't stand totally aligned with. They're gospel churches, but um, and we pray together. We have like a, a monthly prayer breakfast with other leaders in the church in the town, and we just pray with them. So, brilliant. Thanks very much for that little insight into life in North London, and we look forward to you preaching later on. Uh, we're going to sing again, and then after that, David's going to bring up some representatives of different churches to share um, prayer needs, and then we're going to have to spend a bit of time praying for one another. Hello, I'm David O from Austin Neighborhood Church. Um, before we get down to prayer, I just would like to thank Long Crendon uh, for hosting us today and for the wonderful barbecue. It's a huge amount of work, and you fed us so well, and um, thank you. Um, I hope you've got a a sheet with the prayer news on. We're going to make use of that now uh, to pray. We're going to do this uh, in two halves. So down the left-hand column, we have uh, four churches, and I'm going to invite um, a representative from each of those churches. Um, Is it Chris coming up from Abbey Baptist, then Phil, Saab, and Annie? Um, If you could join me here now. You're going to speak for maximum one minute each. The reason they've chosen me to do this is because I've got a watch. (laughs) And um, then we're going to pray in small groups uh, for these churches on the left. And then after that, we'll do the same for the churches on the right. Is that clear enough? Great. Paul says to the church in Colossae, pray for us. And that's the greatest thing we can do for each other is to pray for one another. And uh, let's hear from Chris. Thank you. Good evening. It's good to see you all. Um, I'm going to highlight one thing on our list, which is uh, the Bryant family. We've had uh, Dan and Carol and the family with us um, for quite a long time, certainly a lot longer than we've been there because we've only been there since January. Um, But we're we're, um, saying goodbye to them in the summer. Dan is going to go and be a pastor in Suffolk. Um, We've had the joy this morning of baptizing their oldest son, Micah, um, but we'd very much appreciate prayer for them as they move on and prayer for us because we're going to miss them a lot. Hi, I'm Phil from Grace Church Kidlington. Um, We're still a fairly small church, although we're bigger than we were last year just, um, but in lots of ways still very fragile. So we'd appreciate your prayers not just tonight, but throughout the year. And particularly, um, God's been very good to us uh, in providing us a massive pot of money uh, that we're going to use to uh, employ a pastor in training. He's going to come. His name's Luke. He's going to come and join us for four years with his family. So particularly pray for him. But also, we want to see our ministry and our mission multiply with having extra uh, manpower. So be praying that that will be what God does through Luke's presence with us the next four years as well. Thank you. I'm Saab from Long Crendon. I want to just highlight uh, one thing from the prayer list, which is uh, the work to addicts. Uh, It's great when the Lord moves and we find ourselves rushing and uh, struggling uh, to keep up with what he's doing. Uh, He's started a work uh, amongst addicts. Uh, We've had a group that meets here, uh, then another group that meets here. And one of our church members is a uh, recovering addict, 14 years sober. Uh, And we've seen a number of addicts uh, come to church and start to engage with uh, Christian things. So uh, really, we need uh, a lot of wisdom to know how best uh, to uh, engage with what God is doing uh, in this place 
uh, through that ministry to addicts. Uh, we need a team of people who will commit uh, to what is an extremely challenging mission field. Um, and just, yeah, long-term wisdom that we would fold in and love these people uh, really well, that they might become uh, disciples of Christ uh, and uh, dearly loved members of our church family. Thank you. Good evening. Um, so there are a few ways you can pray for uh, Maudlin Road Church. Um, so particularly we're going through a time of transition um, as our senior pastor Dan um, steps down as well as our associate pastor Phil. Um, so would you pray that um, the church would uh, continue to love and support the eldership um, and also that the Lord would provide the right senior pastor um, to lead us onward in this next season um, and pray for Dan and Phil and their families as they um, also adapt to this new change. Um, uh, we've also um, praised God for bringing a number of um, Iranian asylum seekers um, through MRC's doors in the recent months. Um, so we rejoice that some of them have asked, been asked uh, to be baptized. Um, that's happening next Sunday. Um, so, yeah, just pray that the church would continue to love um, and support them and disciple them uh, as they navigate being in the UK. Um, and then lastly, um, we'd ask for your prayers um, with uh, our ongoing um, uh, development and building project uh, for the old schoolhouse, which is our building. Um, so just pray for energy and resilience through all the um, administrative and uh, legal hurdles that um, have to be done, um, as well as all the practical uh, building work. Um, and just above all, that we would be united in our vision to serve the community um, and sort of have the old schoolhouse as a place um, where gospel opportunities might um, be presented um, as members of MRC uh, seek to get to know the local community. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, let's get into groups of maybe three to six, and let's pray uh, for those four churches uh, for about five minutes. Tamara, Jonathan, and Fiona to come up now. We don't have anyone here from Town Church in Vista, but we can make use of the, the prayer news that they sent to us uh, that you can read uh, in this section. Because sometimes when you meet like this, we think, does it make a difference when we pray? It does, hallelujah, because last year when we met like this, you prayed for our toddler group that we were starting or hoping to start. And praise the Lord, he amazingly provided the finance, uh, the venue, uh, the resources, the toys, the people to lead it. And in the last month, we've had about 80 families coming, not all at the same time, that would be a bit difficult, but 80 families attending this group. So hallelujah. It's, sometimes we pray and think, does it make a difference? Well, it does. <laughs> and so we're very thankful at Master Neighborhood Church for your prayers. I guess our big prayer with that is that some of these families would start coming to church. It's great to come to toddler group and there's a chance to tell them a bit about Jesus, but we'd love to see them coming to church on a Sunday. And we'd also love you to pray for our barbecue on the 9th of July, uh, a chance to invite the local community in Marston to come and enjoy, similar to a day we've had, uh, to hear the gospel, but especially then to keep finding out more about Jesus. It was great to hear about the people coming along from the Queen's funeral or wherever, but that's our heart's desire that they come and hear. And one encouragement there, we had a single mum who came to our barbecue, I think it was two years ago, and now two years later she's asked for baptism. So Praise the Lord for that, and we'd love to see so many more making that journey from a first point of contact to being disciples of the Lord. Thank you. I'm Jonathan from Woody Road. Um, we've had the, uh, the excitement and downright terror of uh, calling a new pastor 
this year. Um, so please join us in giving thanks to the Lord for the provision of David Shaw um, and his family. And uh, please do pray for David um, and the family as they, uh, as they move to Oxford. Um, please thank the Lord for the provision of a house for them to live in. It would have been a bit of a squeeze into the one-bedroom flat um, in, above the offices and meeting rooms in the church. Um, so, yeah, pr- please do give thanks to the Lord for that. And, again, please pray for the ongoing um, legal process. Um, that's all going through smoothly. Praise the Lord. Pray, pray that will continue to do so and that, uh, that all the, the, the timings and intertwinings of, of chains and that sort of thing all works out and everybody can move into the right house on the right day. Um, yeah, please pray that, uh, that as David settles in, we'll, uh, we'll continue to have unity um, as a fellowship and also that we'll continue to grow uh, both in numbers um, and also in our depth of, of knowledge and understanding as a fellowship. Um, but yeah, just really join us in praising the Lord for all his provision this year. And, and, and pray with us as we move from the stage of the answer to every question at Woody Road being, wait until David's here, to being, <laughs> ask David, he's got time to do it. I'm Fiona from Trinity. Thanks so much for praying for us. Um, as you can see here, just going to highlight a couple of things. Uh, we've been uh, very generously allowed to rent the basement um, of St. Michael the Northgate, right in the middle of the city. And that's a fantastic location to meet up with um, students, anybody else who's, who's around, and have some evening meetings as there as well, because we don't have a, a settled building. Um, please pray for us as we face difficulties with our finances. We've got loads of ministry to do. There's loads and loads of ministry opportunities and not enough money. So please pray um, that God will provide the money that we need to do the work that he wants us to do. And then lastly, we have um, 21 students going on a student getaway uh, Tuesday to Thursday this week. It's an amazing opportunity, an amazing privilege to be able to teach and disciple, encourage and challenge these students and help them as they make really big decisions about their future and how they're going to use the the gifts God's given them. It's a really significant time. So please pray that we'll really make the most of that time and uh, that God would help them to see the way ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray then for for these four churches. Thank you. Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 14, which is on page 1142, if you have one of these Bibles. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind, them of the, to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So, from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. 
Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Thanks so much. It's really great to be with you guys. Um, my text for this evening is actually just one verse. I guess you can do something rogue like that as a, as a visiting preacher. It's verse 20. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Uh, let me lead us in a prayer and then we'll think about those words together. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the unique and groundbreaking ministry that you gave to the Apostle Paul. To carry the gospel to the Gentiles. Father we sit here as direct recipients of that ministry. And we're thankful. And as we consider his mission. And as we consider his ambition. May the Holy Spirit stir us tonight. To have that same desire. To make Jesus known. And in him we ask this please. Amen. I'd like to start uh, this evening with a little bit of simple maths. Hopefully this will work. There we go. Oh, there you go. Oh, I've given away the answer already. Oh, I thought it was going to be a complex question. So here you go. Simple maths question. It's not a trick question, as you've seen. One plus one equals two. Brilliant. That is the answer you would expect it to be. That is the right answer. Um, But if I could persuade you of something this evening, and this is what I want to persuade you of. In a room this kind of size, filled with this number of people, I'd like to persuade you that one plus one equals 300. Do you believe me? What I mean by that is this, that if every one person in this room, if every one person was to lead one other person to trust the Lord Jesus Christ this year, by the time you meet next year, there'll be 300 of you in this room. One plus one equals 300. It's not a trick question. (laughs) One plus one equals 300. And, and I was chatting to Neil, but uh, you know the, the churches that are represented here, the churches that we've just prayed for, let's multiply that maths. One plus one in the churches that we represent. Say there's 800 people in the churches we represent here. One plus one equals 1,600 people. 1,600 people. If one person, every one person in this room, every one person in the churches that we represent was to lead just one person in this coming year to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as saviour, That would double the size of the churches. That would double the the footprint that we have in our communities to reach people with the good news of Jesus. Now, as I say that, I don't know in your head and your heart who your plus one would be. Who would you most like to see sitting next to you? Who would you most like to see saved? Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child who's wandered away. Maybe it's a, a friend Someone you work with. Maybe it's a particular people group that you have a heart for that have kind of moved into your area and you're thinking, I'd, I'd love to see one of them. They, they'd be my plus one. That's the person I would love to lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just one person, one plus one equals 300 people. Doesn't that feel like a good ambition to have? <laughs> Sounds quite simple when you put it like that, doesn't it? Just, just one person. If every one of us just said one person, we're not, not asking you to go out and you know, reach the whole of Oxford single-handedly, just one person. Isn't that a good ambition to have? And if you have that, if you want to make that your ambition and your desire, then actually we begin to draw close and we share in what the Apostle Paul has as his ambition in Romans chapter 15, verse 20. 
So you look at that verse again. This is the text for this evening. Paul says, it has always been my ambition, my goal to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. An ambition or a goal is something you really, really want to do, isn't it? It's something that drives you. It's something that shapes the way you do life. I think of an athlete. An athlete who wants to win a medal in a major competition. If you were to enter into that person's life, you would see how that ambition had a grip on their everything they do. What they eat, the pattern of their day, what they, what, how they sleep, their sleep patterns is controlled by that ambition. Uh, I watched a BBC documentary, some of you may have seen it, on Mo Farah, just before his great big medal haul, before he did that. Now, boy, if you want to see someone who's gripped and controlled by an ambition, then you watch that documentary. His, his goal, his ambition shaped everything he did. He slept in an oxygen tent because the guy wanted to be at his absolute physical peak to achieve that goal. And to some degree, every one of us in this room will have those kind of ambitions, those kind of goals that shape the way you do life. The decisions you make, the places you go, the things you say yes to, the things you say no to. We'll all have those kind of ambitions. But wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great for the communities you live in? The networks of people you had if you started to make the one plus one mission your ambition. If we started to share in what Paul had as his ambition. And what is that ambition? Well, I want to put it like this tonight. It is this. Why don't we make it our ambition to live on mission? That would be a great thing to make an ambition of, wouldn't it? A goal of something to shape your life, control your life. That is to live on Jesus's mission. The mission that Jesus started thousands of years ago to reach the ends of the earth with the good news that he is Lord and Savior. And he wants to gather people in, forgive them and give them eternal life. That is what the Lord Jesus is about in our world. And look at this. Look at the words again of of Romans Um, 1520 Paul says it has always been my ambition let's just break down the verse and think about that it's always been my ambition now um, my my 11 year old son uses the word always quite a lot okay so uh, when he sees a new toy that he wants I've always wanted it no you haven't you haven't always wanted that toy because because you only saw it yesterday and so sometimes we use this word always, don't we? And it's what's Paul saying here? It's always been his ambition. Well, hang on a second, Paul. You know, just, just months ago, you were putting Christians to death. So what does he mean? It has always been his ambition. Well, since the moment that the Lord Jesus took hold of his heart and showed him that he was real and that there was only forgiveness in his name, since that moment, always, since that moment, he has a new ambition, something that drives him, something he wants to accomplish. And what he goes on to say, what is that ambition? To preach the gospel. In the book of Romans, you'll know the gospel is is that big word, good news. Now, I think it's good news when um, Tesco's has an offer on chocolate. It's not that kind of good news. It is world-changing, life-transforming good news. And the book of Romans unpacks that for us, that there is salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone. That is world-transforming good news. And he wants to preach that gospel. Where? Look at the verse again. Where does he want to preach it? You can answer. We're, we're like, we, we can interact in church. That's allowed. Where does he want to preach it? Where Christ's not known. 
Literally in the Greek that means where he's not named. Where people just don't know him. And that is emphasized how he finishes the verse off. So that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. That's his ambition. And that is a great ambition for us to share in. We could call it the one plus one mission. That every one of us in our churches, one person, could just lead one person to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when this becomes our ambition, and if this becomes our ambition, I pray that it would shape where we begin to pour our time and our energies. You know, everyone is about to embark on a new week. It's Sunday night. Most of us are probably minds turning to what's ahead this week. But all of us are going to make decisions this week about what we fit in and don't fit in. And if it is our ambition to make Jesus known to people who don't know him, then that will have some effect on your week. Some effect on the way that we do things. And for some of us in this room, it may take us to places beyond Oxford and its surrounding areas. Will you make this your ambition? To make Jesus known? Now, Some of us may be sitting here thinking, oh no, I'm, I'm no Apostle Paul. And and the reality is not all of us will be called to this frontline, groundbreaking, new people groups, sharing the gospel with them. But this ambition, this mission is something that every single one of us can play our part in, where we've been put with the people that are around us. See, we need to understand that, that Paul was uniquely commissioned. He was given a special task. You see that verse 15 and 16, if you've got your Bible there. Um, Yet I've written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me, Paul, the individual, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave Paul a groundbreaking new ministry. Literally taking the gospel to people who'd never heard of the Lord Jesus before. Verse 18, you can see that through him, Jesus was accomplishing great things. I will not venture to speak of anything, he says, except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. That was Paul's unique ministry. And we need to identify this evening as we want to share in his mission and ambition that we're in a different time and a different place. Praise God, the gospel has reached Oxford and its surrounding areas. But in increasing ways and in increasing measure, and I'm sure you find this, we are encountering people every day who know nothing about Jesus. Is that true? They know his name, but they don't know anything about him. They know that there's a couple of festivals in a year where people celebrate him, but they know nothing about him. And if that's the case, we have people groups, we have people on our doorsteps in, in part and in heart with whom we can fulfill this ambition to preach Jesus where he's not known. To lead one person who doesn't yet know Christ, who doesn't know what he stands for, what he said, what he did, doesn't know his salvation. We, we have the opportunity to share in this ambition. And what will it take, you know, what will it take for us in a room like this to be stirred to make this our ambition? See, if there's anything that's going to make people feel guilty in the life of church, it's two things, isn't it? It's someone giving a talk on prayer and someone giving a talk on evangelism. And you're like, oh man, there's another one. And that that weighs heavy 
doesn't it? We sit in a chair like this and, you know, I've got the privilege of being the preacher, so I get to make you feel guilty tonight. But, but actually the reality is those are two things that make us feel very guilty. But that's not the point. What is it that's going to stir us? It's not cracking a whip. What stirs us to make this our ambition is not a preacher standing up the front saying, you've got to make this your ambition. It's when we, like Paul, understand two things. The desperate need of the people who live in Oxford and its surrounding areas. And the, the beauty of the gospel. That we have in our hand the answer to people's problem. Romans 1.18 tells us that the world is already under the wrath of God. It's already experiencing his anger before that great day of judgment comes. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person you will meet this week, whether it's the person you walk past at the bus stop, the person who serves you in Tesco's, the person you work with, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And everyone, therefore, Romans 6.23, experiences that, that hanging over them is the wages of sin, which is death. Do you have that perspective on the people that you live with every day? But on the alternative side, we have the gospel. The gospel that Paul was not ashamed of. Paul had a big view and said, I, the gospel of God, it's the power of God to save those who believe it, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Paul had seen the power of that message. He'd seen the power of God to save people. He tasted of it in his own life. He was a man who vehemently opposed Jesus. And yet the power of God had transformed his life. And as he preached this message, as he'd taken it to other people, he'd seen it change their lives too. And friends, if the season is a bit dry and you're not seeing that at the moment, please don't lose trust in the power of the message to save people. And when we see the great need of the people we live with and we see the power of the gospel to change lives, just maybe we will leave here with a fresh ambition to say, you know what, I want to take that message to people. I want to take it to people I live with and work with and share my life with. See, what do you see when you walk around the place where you live? What do you see when you're picking up your kids from school and people are mixing in the playground. Who, who do you see? What do you see as you shop in Tesco's? Do you see the great need of people? Do you see the immense, desperate need that our world is in? Um, I googled only because I know London stats better than I know Oxford stats. But apparently just in Oxford alone, there are over 162,000 people. That's a lot of people. How do you see them? Are you deeply moved for their spiritual need? And see, if you are moved, then you will know that week by week when we gather in church, we hold in our hand what the people of our communities desperately need. It's wonderful that we get to feast on that gospel and enjoy it and come together and praise God for it every week. But it's not meant to stay in this room. We are meant to love it and be energized by it and take it to the people that we live with and we work with and we pray for and we mix with every day. So will we make it our ambition to live on mission? Will you let that become something of your ambitions this week? And you might say to me, well, Nathan, what does it look like? You know, if we're to leave here and, and to have a life that's ambitious, to share it with others, what does that look like? Well, let me very quickly share with you three things from this little bit of Paul's writing here about what it looks like. And the first thing is very simple. It's this. We will have open mouths, open mouths to declare the gospel. See, ambition alone isn't enough, is it? 
um, I could make it my ambition to run the London Marathon next year. That would be a very good ambition. Um, But if I do nothing, then it stays an ambition. See, if if I'm going to make that ambition a reality, I have to do something. I have to fill out a form. I probably have to do some training. I probably have to go do some running somewhere. All that kind of stuff. You have to do something. Action is needed to make your ambition a reality. And we can sit in a room like this and we can say, oh, yeah, we'll make it our ambition. But the action that accompanies the ambition to make Jesus known is an open mouth. It's telling people about Jesus. It's, it's leading people to him, just opening a door in people's worlds for the beauty of Jesus. Um, many of us will have the kind of two ways to live pictures. We know how to write that and explain the gospel to people or we'll have a, a way, you know, God, man, God, what if I do, what if I don't? Most of us will have that. But the reality is, in my experience, I very rarely had the chance to pin back my ears and draw all six diagrams for people. Uh, what happens in people's world, isn't it, when we come up uh, to meet them and engage with people's lives is that you're encountering them in a conversation and all you get to do is open a door onto the beauty of Jesus in some way. Some good part of Jesus' world. And you're you're opening a door for them. But we have to speak. They're not going to get it through telepathy. They're not going to get it because you've been to church and a bit of Jesus might rub off on them. They're going to understand it as we open our mouths and we speak Jesus to people. See, that was Paul's ambition, wasn't it? To preach the gospel, to declare the gospel, to open his mouth and tell others about Jesus. Romans 10 verse 14 says this. How can they call on the one they, in whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And preaching doesn't just mean what happens from the pulpit here. Preaching is about declaring something to someone. We can declare Jesus to the people we mix with. Faith comes from hearing. See, how did you come to believe? Think about that. Back, backtrack for a moment. <laughs> How did you come to believe? You came to believe because at some point someone opened their mouth and told you about Jesus. Whether that was a parent, whether that was a friend, whether that was someone evangelizing you at university or wherever it may have been. It was someone opened their mouth. How were your plus one in the one plus one mission? How were your plus one come to believe in the Lord Jesus? It's as we open our mouth. It's as you open your mouth and you speak to them about Jesus. The, um, the action that accompanies the ambition is an open mouth. To the man at the bus stop, to the lady walking her dog, to the neighbor who pops in for a cup of tea, to the local shop owner. We will not fulfill our ambition if our mouths stay closed. You just won't do it. Now, okay, we're not all the Apostle Pauls, and, and some of us will be terrified of the idea of speaking of Jesus to other people. But every single one of us in this room has a story to tell. People love stories. Well, they certainly do where I come from. You know, you can stand for hours on the street chatting to some people, sharing stories. And so why not share your story with them? I once was blind, but now I see. Or or, or just say to them, hey, I, I can't explain all this brilliantly, but why don't you come along to church with me? Open our mouths. Let's speak about Jesus to people. That's the first thing that that a life, an ambitious life to make Jesus' name will look like. Second thing, you still with me, your life? It's a hard gig on a Sunday night, isn't it, this time? So open mouths. Second thing that that Paul teaches us is you've got to have moving feet. Um, What I mean by that is your ambition will keep you on the move. It will keep you looking for new people. Look at verse 19. 
certainly did for Paul. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm not a geography expert, but I understand that's a really long way. I think it's about 1,600 miles. And he didn't have a bike, didn't have a car, there was no planes. He kept moving from place to place. He kept on the move. Why? Because he knew there were hundreds of people and hundreds of places who didn't know the gospel. And his ambition to make Jesus known to new people, people who didn't know him, kept him on the move. Kept him going from place to place. Now, again, we've got to distinguish here between the uniqueness of Paul's ministry as someone genuinely reaching new people groups and where we are at today. But the principles apply, don't they? See, one of the challenges, and I certainly face this in my own life, is that we have a a kind of a relatively small group of people, don't we, that, that we know. And some of us have been trying in this room to reach those group of people for many years, and we just feel a bit dry, and we go, I've run out of conversations. I just don't know how to share Jesus anymore with this little group. So what do you do? Well, most of us just say, well, I've, I've exhausted my options. But what would the Apostle Paul say? He'd say, find somebody else. <laughs> Change the way you do things. Meet some new people. Get, get on the move. Isn't that a great ambition to have to, 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 to get some new friends, to, to meet some new people? There's all sorts of ways we could do that. Maybe having this ambition will move some of us out of Oxford and to the ends of the earth. Uh, According to Radical, um, a a group in America, there are 7,067 unreached people groups in the world. That that is genuinely people who haven't heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 4.4 billion people. And so if you've run out of people around you, well, there's a website that could tell you some you could go and try. (laughs) Having this ambition to live on mission will keep us on the move, looking for new people all the time with whom we can share the gospel. Maybe we'll change where we shop. Uh, Maybe we'll join some new activity in our community. Um, A friend of mine uh, in London, actually, when we were talking about this together, um, he said it was as simple for him as changing the carriage that he got on in the morning. on the train because commuters are terrible aren't they they just stand in the same spot every morning they stand there doors open you get on and then you get off at the other end and it's the same carriage same people everyone does the same thing he changed carriages and suddenly a whole new world opened up to him wow there's a whole carriage full of people i haven't shared jesus with isn't that cool just by changing small things maybe you could buy your bread in one shop and your milk at the other shop because you then you meet two shopkeepers not just one There are all sorts of things that we can do to keep our feet on the move so that we find new people to share the gospel of Jesus with. Still alive, open mouths, moving feet, and we've got to be prepared, number three, to have messy diaries. Messy diaries, messy schedules. See, look at verse 22. Paul's ambition was to preach Christ where he's not known. But look what he says to the church. He says, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. And why did Paul, even though he really wanted to get to Rome, why, why did he never get there? Because his ambition always interrupted his plans. His ambition to make Jesus known got in the way. It messed up his diary. And I want to say to you today that if, if you, like Paul, want to make it your ambition to, to make Jesus known to people who don't really know him, if you're serious about living on mission then you've got to be prepared for it to mess up your diary. <laughs> to change your plans, your personal plans, our church's plans. You know, it's wonderful to hear um, the story about what's happening here with the addicts. Lord brings an opportunity along. 
That may mess up the plans of this church to do things. It may mean that they have to shuffle their meetings around. Why? Because living on mission means you've got to be flexible. You may not get to do the things you want to do because you're responding to the people that you want to share the gospel with. You may be um, heading out to church on a Sunday morning and that, that neighbor pops out and you've been praying for an opportunity to, to meet that person. And they start up a conversation and you're sort of clock watching thinking, oh, I hate being late to church. But what are you going to do? You have a choice to make in that moment. Now, please don't. I'm not advocating missing church. All right. That's, uh, but actually, I, I am kind of advocating it, that if that person is the person you, you get an opportunity to, to share the gospel with, are you prepared to mess up your diary for that? Or maybe you're heading out to a meeting or you know, you're, you're meant to be going shopping and you get that opportunity with someone. Are you prepared to, to let it change your diary? To change your plans. Um, so many of us are bred for productivity, aren't we? <laughs> and we hate the idea that my plans might be messed up. But actually, if you live on mission, then your plans will always be messed up. Because we want to share Christ with people who don't know him. And that's what it looked like for Paul to live on mission. He had an open mouth. He had moving feet. And he had a really messy diary. <laughs> and friends, if we're serious about living on mission... If we're going to live on this one plus one mission, if, if every single one of us in this room is to lead one person to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's what it will look like for us too. We'll need to have some conversations this week about the Lord Jesus. We, we may need to go meet some new people this week in whatever creative way we can do it. And we've got to be prepared to have our diaries messed up so that we can spend time with people, make the most of the opportunities we get with people and share Jesus with people. So will you make it your ambition to live on the one plus one mission? I'm very sorry. I should have brought all these headings up there. There you go. Open mouths, moving feet, messy diaries. Um, sorry I didn't put them up. But that's what it looks like for us to live on mission. Should we pray that in? And then I'm gonna, uh, we're going to sing after that. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much again for the example of the Apostle Paul. Thank you that he was so gripped and captivated by Jesus, his saviour, that he made it his ambition to live on mission. That he had an open mouth that would declare Jesus even when it got him in trouble. Thank you that he had moving feet that were prepared to walk 1600 miles to make Jesus known. Thank you that he was willing to mess up his plans so that he could take Jesus to new people. Lord, give us the same heart this week. Father, we don't always find it easy to live on mission, but please would you help us. Please, Lord, would you give each of us in this room a one plus one opportunity this week, this year, whenever, Lord, to just lead one person to see the goodness of our Savior Jesus. Father, please make those opportunities for us really obvious this week. Please, Lord, would you guide us in this task? For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.